Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and today we have two special guests for you rather than just one. Casey Cavanaugh, aka GX Ace, and David Amell. David Amell is senior reporter at Android Authority, YouTuber, and recently hired as writer slash researcher for MKBHD and the Waveform podcast with Marquez Brownlee. With over 10 million subscribers on the MKBHD channel, David is having a real impact with his writing. Casey is a filmmaker who goes by the name GX Ace on the internet who has a wildly underrated YouTube channel under that very name. With his highly stylized cyberpunk-themed channel, GX Ace reviews film cameras, modern and vintage lenses, and occasionally reviews newer products mostly from Fujifilm. One of the things that makes GXA stand out on YouTube is the amount of time and effort that he puts into his content. He really outdoes it with his spaceship-themed set and intense sound design. If you're listening to this podcast, you should really head over to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ghpod, to see our conversation because Casey actually did the whole interview inside his spaceship set. Casey and David are best friends, and the only reason we have them both on is because I thought it would be fun to hear about their very different but similar stories together in one show. I was also curious to know how they met and how they became such good friends. So without any further ado, let's listen into my conversation with GX Ace and David Amell. Welcome to the Golden Hour podcast. Thanks for coming on, guys. Uh, we got Casey. Uh, what's your... What's your name on YouTube? How's how do you actually GX say it? GX Ace. GX Ace. The GX doesn't mean anything. <laughs> basically. <laughs> and, then, and I guess the Ace doesn't really either, but And then uh David Amel from previously from Android uh, Authority and then recently uh I don't know if am I allowed to talk about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, you're doing? allowed to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Now you're working with uh Marquez Brownlee, MKBHD. Yeah. Uh so real exciting stuff. Also yeah, a new roommates. up and coming channel, you know. Yeah, up and coming <laughs> up and coming tech channel. Uh so yeah. we've got some some real amazing uh creators here today. So thank you guys uh for joining me. Uh I was a little late cuz I had to heat up my uh, Salisbury steak for my family that's arriving in about an hour. But I, I've been jealous ever since you had Michael on the podcast and I was just listening down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so David, if you aren't aware, is roommates to Michael Fisher from yeah. uh, Mr. Mobile. Yeah, yeah. How's, how's that? Are you still roommates? Oh, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, no, we're, yeah. we're BFFs, you know, we... Uh, we watch a lot. We watch a lot of Star Trek and movies, and um, cook dinner together, and it's very romantic. That's a really and, cute relationship you got. Oh, there. it's yeah, it's great. No, and then we have uh, David Kogan, the uh, the unlocker, is like in our little bubble, so we hang out with him all the time. And um, you guys great. have your own little team tin house over there. Yeah, sort like. of. We 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 shared a studio um, <laughs> for a year, and then and but like the pandemic happened, so we didn't really use it that much, like at all. Casey got to see the studio for a bit. Um, yeah, I think the first time I went to your place was when uh, Michael's like ridiculously sick. Oh like, yeah, that was yeah. the first time I was there. Yeah. Yeah, was, Michael got like almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know some illness. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's awesome. And that's that. How do you guys know each other? Like, how did Casey, okay, I will tell you the story of how we met. Yeah. So CES 2018, uh-huh. 
Uh, or it might have been 2017. I need to look back. Back when people met in public. Uh, well, I didn't meet well, him yeah, no. in person. So oh, okay. I, was, I was sitting. Casey's like, so, wait. <laughs> it was like maybe 10 a.m. And I think I had an event at like 1130. So I was sitting in a cafe in like the Bellagio or something. Uh-huh. Like just with a coffee. And I just like opened up YouTube and... I don't remember what video it was that Casey made. It, it I think it was the um, the X Pan one. The X Pan one because I had just bought a TX one, or I was looking into a TX one. So I watched his video called like uh, I made my own X Pan, and it's about how Casey <laughs> made his own panoramic adapter um, to basically give you that sixty-five by twenty-four anamorphic yep. look. And I watched it and I was like, holy crap. So I like looked at his channel and he had like four videos. And I was just like, what? <laughs> this guy's so freaking talented. Like, how does he have four videos? So I <laughs> I messaged him through like every social platform I could find. Um, and I think we ended up connecting through Instagram. Yeah. Uh, eventually. I remember yeah. I was in China. Uh, I was in China when you texted me. Oh, you were in China. When you messaged me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you just came back from China. I had just come back from China. And I had, like, just got there. Yeah. Right. So So we started talking about China, and then we started talking about whatever. And and then eventually, I don't remember the first time. Was the first time we met in person ever when you stayed in my house? I think so. (laughs) I think so. Yeah, Yeah. that was for... uh, The Fuji event. Yeah, but that was... XT4. Event. Yeah, or the X. It was the X Pro Three launch. Oh right. But it was uh, f- it was at some photo convention in New York. I forget Photo Plus. Photo, or photo Photo Plus or Photo Yeah Photo something Plus. like that. Photo Plus yeah. Expo. And right. That was, that, my... was a, that was a separate event from the XT Four event, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. That was that was next. Was okay. Yeah. 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 So we hung out at Photo Plus Expo and then just I don't know had a good time. And <laughs> now we talk about cameras all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. that is quite a re- uh, hilarious uh, story. <laughs> yeah, you can you can become friends with with anybody through the internet if you try. It's hard true, enough. man. I mean that's how we're all sitting here today. I mean, David, I I don't I don't know how you and I started talking on Twitter at some point. I don't know. I remember you Michael slipped into or... my DMs once, I think, and then we started <laughs> texting. But yeah. yeah, but I'd seen you all over the internet for like a couple of years. So yeah. You know. And I, yeah, we just kind of became friendly over text. And then I, Casey, I've been watching your stuff every time you post. And recently, what was I doing? Oh yeah. Two months ago when I was uh, at Indie Mogul, I was working on uh, the history of the A7S Mm. video. And it was like, I was talking about all three cameras. We rented all three and I did like side by side comparisons. And I just kind of wanted to tell the story of the A7S and I was just looking online for like inspiration or just, you know, things I could steal for my video. Um, <laughs> and I stumbled across your video you posted two months ago, why you should buy the original A7S in 2045. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I've seen your stuff before. Like I was talking to David about you previously anyways, like. I don't know how it even came up. I think we were talking about film cameras and then I maybe even mentioned your name and he was like, Oh yeah, we're, we're buddies. I was like, Oh, okay. So I always knew you were friends with David. Um, and so I hit him up uh, and after watching that video, I was like, dude, do you think he'd be down to do the podcast? And 
we could do a dual show and here we are today so nice. pretty awesome. crazy stuff well yeah i've been i've been watching kinotika for a while and you know i've you know heard of you know indie mogul's been around for forever so like, i know yeah so well i'm gone people. now so yeah <laughs> <laughs> That was short-lived. Uh, yeah, I'm here in Nashville. Well, I, I commend you for even trying to live in Southern California because it is like my least favorite <laughs> place on the planet. So I understand. Yeah, I lived there for three years and uh, very enjoyable. You know, the weather's great. People are overall pretty great. Um, but, you know, I have a wife and kids and it just it wasn't a good place. And like now we're in this, like this is one of five bedrooms that I have now. <laughs> oh, wow. That's <laughs> this quite, is yeah, the that's smallest different. one. And it's $900 cheaper to rent this house than it was at my apartment in LA. So um, it's just ridiculous. So. I don't envy envy the LA or, or, or you, Dave, <laughs> in New York. Yeah, Michigan's, Michigan's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty not bad in that department. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I bet it's I've even only lived there, in right? the two most yeah. expensive cities. In the US. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> San Francisco and New York City, <laughs> great. So if anybody's seen Casey's stuff uh, online, you and you know what I'm talking about. But if you haven't, I would encourage you to absolutely check out his stuff. Casey, you've developed this style and this format that is so unique and so incredible. And David and I both are huge fans. Uh, and now I'm excited that, you know, we're friends, but how did you develop this style? What the heck was going on in your brain to come up with this idea of essentially being in a spaceship, not acknowledging <laughs> it and talking and acting like a normal person, but yet you're in a spaceship. Like it's this hilarious <laughs> kind of blend of like, what the flip is going on? And, here? We, and we have to note that like, it's like a realistic spaceship. It's not, it's not like. It's not like cartoony or low quality. Like it looks like he's in the future. Well, if you actually knew what all this stuff was made out of, yes, you would realize it is pretty low quality. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's the power of the camera, the power of framing. Yeah, I, I avoid answering the questions of like how it's put together because it's embarrassingly low quality. But I eventually plan on making a video about that at some point. Well, I think that's that's more um, impressive than just buying a ton of expensive stuff. So. Yeah, well, because it sort of morphed into the way it looks now just because I had this, like, grand idea of, like, wanting to have this cyberpunk sort of, uh, sort of, like, collector's room is kind of what I, like, pictured myself being in. I know it, the spaceship thing sort of sort of caught on, which I, I don't personally see it as a spaceship, but I know a lot of people do, but I don't know. I just, like weird sci-fi stuff and it doesn't have to have a purpose to it so it was supposed to just be like a cyberpunk themed set is what you're yeah basically well okay. yeah but well i just i was actually inspired by uh some art by this dude called Deathburger on instagram i don't know if you guys have heard of him but he makes like really awesome cyberpunk art and he did some stuff for uh, like foreign covers of the neuromancer book which is one of my favorite books um but there was I just remember there's this one uh, like piece that he did in particular. It's this sort of dude with like you know crazy stuff all over his head in this like super packed, tech filled room, like kind of like tinkering with something. And I was like, that's what I want my YouTube channel to be. It's like that <laughs> picture. Yeah. So so that. since my ideas are generally larger than I have the capacity to do, I just took whatever I found in my basement and made this instead of kind of 
just never doing it because I wanted it to be perfect and I wanted it to have all this other stuff. I was just like, what do I have laying around that I can make look as cool as I possibly can, basically. <laughs> and like David said, I mean, your channel isn't like you don't have hundreds of videos. You know, you are very selective with your topics. Uh, every single video that you make is a, a total banger in terms yeah. of the quality. So I think Outrageous. you're able... Yeah, I mean, you're able. Uh, is that the reason? Like, I mean, are you a full time working, you know, cinematographer as well? Like, who are you? <laughs> I feel like I don't know who <laughs> you know, are. It's your life story, Katie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'd, I'd like to say that my lack of videos is due to my intense uh, uh, adherence to quality, but partially because I procrastinate and just don't make as many <laughs> as I should. But okay. Uh, but it. But I. I do sort of psych myself out with wanting it to be perfect and and I want it to be unique and if I see I don't want it to just look like another YouTube video that's kind of my driving force behind pretty much everything I do so which has actually sort of like hindered me in a lot of ways because I like I'm like man it'd be cool if I showed this thing but then it's like really hard to fit that like within the style like mm -hmm. if I wanted to do something more candid like I'm still trying to figure out how to <laughs> hey guys so in. I'm in my yeah. spaceship <laughs> <laughs> yeah. here's my dog and yeah, like, so we're, we're just working on something in the garage yeah so I'm just trying yeah. to figure out how yeah. to I mean I probably just need to do it and stop just thinking overthinking things but uh but yeah, that that's too, that's so. sort of that's sort of the driving factor of it. But but yeah, I used to uh, I've pretty much been a commercial cinematographer for like six years, six or well, actually probably more like nine years. Um, and uh, basically a year ago, basically following like a relatively slow winter because winters are usually really slow for freelance work. Um, Why is that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Michigan <laughs> in the winter, I would imagine, yeah. is, is hard to get around. Yeah. yeah, and sort of driven by the fact that I uh, needed like an actual health insurance plan, I yeah. uh, I started doing uh, a full time like video production gig for a, a, like a Fortune 500 insurance company. So I've been working for them for the last two years. Sort of was planning on probably going back to freelance, and then Corona hit, and now it's like the perfect setup ever because we work from home and yeah. it's salary. So I, I'm gonna just you know keep riding this while it's uh, work from home. But nice. Um, but yeah, so it's. Um, but yeah, so, so my that's where that's where your living is right now, currently, kind of full time. Yeah. Yep. 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 So, um, but I've been working on. Uh, trying to find more stuff to do freelance wise, like on the post side of stuff, like some of the stuff I've been doing in my videos. You probably saw the fake commercial that I made. So yeah, that's uh, great. working on, <laughs> uh, working on more uh, 3d stuff and want to want to get more Ooh, into that and, cool. and uh, yeah. compositing and stuff. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, David, what were some of the first questions that you asked him when you met oh, him? Gosh, I, I feel like I need to like, look at our Instagram now and just like see. <laughs> I probably asked him about... I specifically like, remember it being in a hotel room when, when you messaged me. Was I in a hotel room? Yeah. No, I, I was you in a hotel room. Oh, you were in a hotel sure. room. Yeah. I just don't... I, I, yeah, I don't remember. You were probably in China. I, I honestly don't remember, but I think it was related to like the TX1 or XPAN or something like that. Well, yeah, actually I have um, a video on my channel of how to film a video in that hotel room. And that was yeah. the hotel room I was in when you messaged me. Well, I particularly <laughs> remember that, uh, you know, you should, I think both of us are pretty good at like adapting to the spaces we're in for shooting. Um, 
because I did that for like four years. I didn't have a home. And so I was shooting in tens of different places. But then I saw your video that you shot in like a hotel room. And I was just like, how do I get this quality? And then you were like, don't worry, I'm going to make like a video on how to do this. Oh, yeah, yeah, pretty sure, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's such a YouTuber response when you're like having a normal conversation with somebody and then you're like, don't worry, I'll make a video. Videos coming it. soon, yeah. yeah. Videos. I'll send you Smash. a link soon. But no, David, tell me about your journey as a YouTuber. I mean, Oof. you've been on YouTube for forever. Like yeah. you've been working in this industry as a, a tech journalist Uh you know, I don't know the full story either. So tell me, tell me mm. your story and about the travel. I mean, 39. Countries? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, before we get into that, I want to read, I finally got to the, the top of our Instagram. <laughs> yeah. It took me forever to scroll because, okay. That's funny. Uh, January 7th, 2019. Okay. So actually only two years ago. Okay. Uh, I said, Hey man, I just saw your video on your digital X pan. I'm a technology journalist and photographer, and I shoot with an X-T3 as well. I would love to chat about your process. The color grade was something I've been looking to achieve for a long time. And then you messaged me four days later, and you you told me how you did it, blah, blah, blah. And then we just kept talking forever. And That's, that's cute. Yeah. Oh, we also went to uh, Vancouver. <laughs> not oh, Vancouver. yeah. We went to Montreal. 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 Together. Yeah. And, and we met Take and... Take uh, Keo, Big Head Taco. Juan. Juan, who runs Beers and Cameras. Um, oh, Big Head Taco. I know him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's cool, dude. Yeah, Takakeo, he's awesome. Yeah, like when I got into my Leica phase, I like consumed all his content. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I used to watch <laughs> his videos in like 2016. Um, yeah, he's another one of the like the old old guard of YouTube, right? Camera YouTube of camera YouTube oh, yeah. before it became kind of mainstream with uh, yeah. him and Kai W. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Digital Rev TV. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, and we went to we the beers and cameras is like a group um, of people who just like get together at breweries and bring their cameras, whether it's Fuji's or analog or whatever. And it's just it's a fun group. Um, That's awesome. Not sponsored, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a big group. <laughs> and also um, not happening right now. Right? Yeah, not happening. <laughs> they're, they're San Diego based though, so if you're ever back in San oh sweet California, yeah, but they have a bunch of chapters. So anyway, um, yeah. So I I mean I got into writing about technology. I started as a writer, right? And I got into writing about technology in like 2015. Um, I mean, I was into Android development in like 2012. I started like the technology and business group at my high school. And then in college, I was a computer science and economics double major. Um, worked wow, at fancy. Intel. Yeah. Amazing. Worked at Intel for two years as an engineer. And I was like, this sucks. Um, <laughs> I hate working for a giant corporation. Uh, I had been writing for a tiny technology blog on the side for f basically free. Um, I would get like a $20 check every month um, for just writing like three or four articles a day. And I remember I, I just applied to like a million different places because I was at Intel and I was like, I'm tired of coming in and just like working an engineering job. And so I ended up getting hired part-time by Android Authority and I kind of did both at the same time. So I'd like wake up, write two articles, drive to work. And this is, I would wake up at like 4 a.m., write two articles, get ready, drive to work, uh, write two more articles <laughs> on my lunch break, work more, drive wow. home. And it was a two-hour drive from- You had two full-time jobs. <laughs> yeah, I basically had two full-time jobs um, for like two years, and it was very hard. And then at one point, Android Authority was just like, hey, if you want to come on full-time, we'd be down for that. And I was like, 
okay, that sounds way more interesting, you know? So I just decided to do that. Um, Is that how you I, met Michael too? Yeah. Um, I didn't actually get into doing YouTube until like 20, 2017, um, mm -hmm. 2016 or 2017, because I was never actually a photographer. Like I hadn't touched a camera until 2017. Um, and I was just kind of a writer, but I wanted to be able to go to these like events because I'd gone to a few press events for like, for work, for writing. And it's like, my favorite thing is like meeting people and like just learning about stuff and traveling. And so I kind of figured out how to do YouTube to kind of like aid my love for traveling and people and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I realized like when I bought my, my camera, cause I first bought a GH5 because it got announced at uh, CES 2017. Oh, heck yeah. I bought it. I got it. I knew nothing about cameras and I like hated it. <laughs> I, think, a, I think, yeah, I think for people that like, there's a bad camera to be your first one. <laughs> I think so because it's a very technical camera, right? Like it's technical capabilities are like insane, but it felt very like so many buttons and, and, menu settings and features and I just didn't know what was going on yeah. partially because I didn't know how like I didn't know how aperture worked I didn't know how ISO worked I didn't know any of that so it was like hard for me to understand it and then on YouTube I saw I don't I think it was like Eber Anthony from Hardware Canucks or Brandon Lee from Linus Tech Tips one of them did a review of the Fuji X-T2 that had mm -hmm. just come out yeah and uh I was like that looks like way more interesting went on Instagram found that like most of the photographers that I liked on Instagram were using Fuji cameras, like, and it just must be like a style thing. Cause I was really into the like noir style photography at the time and, uh, bought an XT2 mm -hmm. and I basically just been, I fell in love with it immediately. And I actually wanted to just go shoot photography all the time. Like That's I awesome. flew to Japan just so I could do photography. And anyway, that, that all just kind of blossomed into like getting better at photography is kind of like, tertiary to getting better at video you know it's mm -hmm. kind of just like as long as you understand framing you can kind of learn all the other stuff um so anyway long story yeah. short that's the, that's the long form i don't know if you wanted the long form but hey that's what podcasts are for yeah true true true, true. <laughs> so i yeah i just started doing youtube and i i guess at aa i just started doing more and more and more and when did when did android authority give you you know the push to do the channel to to do content on the channel uh, so my first video is in like early 2017. Um, and it gotcha. was really bad. Uh, <laughs> it was really, really bad. And I actually remember asking Michael, we were in Hawaii together for a Qualcomm thing. And I was like, how do you get better video? I don't know what I'm doing. So, so yeah, I don't know. It just, it's one of those repetition things. And, um, That's like awesome. Android authority used to have like seven hosts. It was like oh, a lot. Okay. We had a lot of people. Um, so what was really nice is that I would get like two weeks to do a review. So I dedicated myself to like every single time I would make a video, I wanted to try something new that I would have to like research how to do it, right? Like a special effect or like a voiceover thing. So I feel like doing that kind of thing, you kind of progress pretty quickly. Yeah. Totally. I would say it took about a, a year for me to get like feeling competent. Um, but then it's I just started quick. doing, yeah, then I started doing videos for them as basically my full-time thing. And I became like lead producer in 20, 
2018 or 2019. Okay. Um, so, and I was just doing that up until literally a month ago. So, <laughs> I mean, that's crazy that they just kind of threw you in there like that. I don't know about you, Casey, but I was, I've been a filmmaker, freelance video person since I was 17. I didn't even start mm -hmm. YouTube till three years ago. I'm mm. 30, so you can do the math on that. But yeah, that's pretty much my same timeline there. Yeah. So the fact that David was able to just kind of get a camera and start working immediately. I mean, that's kind of nuts. And there's a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of yeah. YouTubers up and coming, you know, even teenagers that are just starting channels and having no experience. And I think it's, it's cool. Cause you can actually see the journey. You can look yeah. at David's stuff now and like your stuff mm -hmm. now has progressed, progressed so much since, since then. Well, there's just like so much good information and in like knowledge of, yeah. of like learning how to do stuff now yeah. it's like ridiculous i, I see just 13 like year olds stuff. on youtube that are just make they're starting to like you like you said dave like you can see their progression from like their first video and like the speed at which they're progressing is like ridiculous i'm yeah. like you're gonna be better than me in like in like two months like <laughs> i am i am so worried about my future <laughs> It's yeah. cool because it really has democratized everything. I mean, if you're if you want to do video, there's just an endless amount of information out there, mm. and even you know cheap cameras, you can buy a used XT two right now for probably yeah. nothing. Right? It's like yeah, it's like four hundred dollars if not less. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's not nothing, but you know, you could, you could buy something even cheaper probably. Yeah, um, and get away with it, but or just use your phone that's in your pocket, but. Yeah, right. I, I I don't know about you guys, but like that's always the argument. Like you just use your phone. Like the phone's really good, but I still think phones look like phones. Like they yeah. Still yeah. Well, well it, that's funny you say that because I'm like a hundred percent agree with you. But but the <laughs> the uh, Apple just released something. It was shot by the director of the Farewell. Um, it was like a promo for the the iPhone. 12 Pro Max or whatever is like a short film. That's the first film that I've actually seen shot with a phone that actually looks good. I yeah. mean, there's a few shots in it that it's like it's like you wouldn't getting, shoot that with we're getting depth close. of field. Yeah. yeah, but I'm like that's like that's definitely the best I've ever seen. Did, so did they show like the rig? Like, was it attached to any sort of rig with like? It was it was literally just the camera on a gimbal on no. a hand a single handed gimbal. Wow. I know they usually well, the, use like 35 millimeter adapters and stuff, but yeah. This so was... I did a I did a big video with iJustine and Armando for Indie Mogul where we compared the Alexa to the iPhone. Mm, I don't right. think I saw it, but I did, yeah. It was kind of ridiculous and it didn't turn out the way I wanted. That was one of the breaking points for me of why I quit. Um but that's another story, but um it didn't turn out the way I wanted, but it is what it is. But anyways, um one of the things that I noticed was exactly what Casey, you just said, like, if you want any type of depth of field, then you, you know, you just can't get it. Um, but if you're doing wide landscapes, if you're doing wide shots, uh, where you've got that deep depth of field, the, the image is actually good enough to hold up next to real cameras now, especially oh, yeah. with, yeah, I mean, as long as the dynamic range is high enough, like you shouldn't well, really be able to tell it's it. Sometimes it's way better. 10 bit. It does like, 10 bit. Dynamic range yeah. is like better in a lot of cases. Like, um, I help Michael with videos a lot uh -huh. and, uh, I started like helping, helping him last year and like very frequently, you know, we'll be shooting with the a7S3 or a Fuji or something. And he'll just be like, get the shot with the iPhone. I'll be like, really? And then we'll go out, we'll be outside, take the shot with the iPhone and we watch it back on the, on the, his computer. I'm just like, one, <laughs> the sky is blue and you're well exposed. I don't know how that happened. And then two, you can't really, like, you can barely tell that this was shot on a phone. Like, that. Yeah. the video is getting so good. It yeah. is. 
But and I think like once once like they can do once like the AI gets smart enough and, and the the like artificial and stuff. Yeah, once that actually gets good, like I don't think there will be at least to the layman, definitely not to the layman. Oh, they wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I don't think. Like yeah, it, yeah. as long as I could get the bokeh to look but convincing. That's, that's the problem. Still to this day, portrait mode on iPhones is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. They, they yeah. just need they need like infinitely more levels of of layering. Because right now, like, it's gotten better, obviously. Like, I remember the first forms of portrait mode were, like, foreground, yeah. background. And everything that is background is just, like, bad <laughs> blur. blur. Yeah. Whereas, really, physics is, like, you know, it's it's not even linear. There's a, there's a calculation for determining depth of field. And, um, you know... Google, like on the Pixel 3, I think it was. I remember I was I was interviewing Mark Lavoie, who used to run the Pixel video uh, camera systems. And they had, they, he was all excited because they added four levels of, you know, depth nice. of field. So, it, <laughs> so it's better, right? And then now I think it's like nine, but it's it needs to be like, yeah. it needs to Infinite. be able to scale because <laughs> right now it's just, yeah, Hopefully, it looks like a cutout. Um, Hopefully LiDAR will become more of a thing and it'll yeah, get more granular. I think that's really the secret, right? Is if we can get the depth data exact with multiple points, then you yeah. can really start doing that. And then what I'm excited about, I talked to, remember there was this company that had this big expensive box that was basically like you could control your, it was the company that made that little box camera that was real expensive that you could change the, the focus and the Lytro. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That company, Lytro, they they went to NAB one year and they had a big, you know, cinema version of it. And they were saying, like, in the future, your NLE will have support to basically touch a face in your editor and have focus tracking in post. Oh, yeah. And then you can change your aperture in post. Yeah. And then you could also have plugins that simulate different types of lenses that you can apply in post. So imagine if you could just click a button and simulate an anamorphic lens. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you can already, like yeah. on my phone. Like, there's this <laughs> awesome app called Focus. Like, F O C O S. That app is really good, and it actually has like really granular settings for changing characteristics of bokeh. And like, yeah, I don't know. So. David, I, I want to finish your story because now you are working for Marquez Brownlee. Uh, tell me about that job. I mean, that's that's cool. Uh, okay, so <laughs> so I actually start on Monday. Um, okay. I, yeah, I took a month off. <laughs> I know. I know. I took. So, I took. Yeah, it's I not took a for month sure. off. Well, it's, it's for, <laughs> I signed a contract, so I hope he doesn't uh, yeah, drop yeah, me yeah. between then and now. And I actually, I got my Slack account and my email address today. So, what is um, it? What David? Oh, David, wait, we probably David. we're not. No, we're not going to dox you. So. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a very cool email address. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't really know what that. Um, you know, everything it's going to entail. Obviously, like it's a super flexible position. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Marquez actually did it. He did an interview with The Verge a few weeks ago about like how do you scale a brand that is based around one person, right? And I've noticed this recently. There's a lot of tech YouTubers and just YouTubers in general that are starting to hire crews, right? Yeah. Like previously, I think like Linus Tech Tips was like one of the only channels that had like quite yeah. a few employees. Um, I think he's got like 50 employees. He has over 50, yeah. But they, has, but they also have like six channels, right? Like, yeah, um, they, but, yeah they have like six channels. So one of the fascinating that. things for me is I think he has like 
five or six writers yep. full time. Mm -hmm. I actually almost worked for them as a writer in 2016. Wow. Yeah, um, you would have been a good fit there. Yeah, I would have had to move to Canada, which yeah. I was like into, but then I got the offer from Intel. And at the time I wanted to work for Google ultimately. So it was like okay. my, and that disclosure, my sister and her boyfriend work for Google. So there's that, but okay. um, anyway. You're such, I love it. You and Michael are like, so by the book, it's great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> full disclosure. Uh, uh, yeah, well. Full disclosure, this entire video is sponsored uh, by, <laughs> by uh, Salisbury Steak. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, okay. Sorry. Anyway, you yeah. As you as you can imagine, it's like a really flexible position because, like, yeah, I've noticed like Quinn uh, Snazzy Q. Yeah, Snazzy Labs. He's like he's hiring people. Um, mm -hmm. John Rettinger has employees. Like, yep. We interviewed one of his employees, Matt. Uh, was Matt, on the yeah, show. yeah, yeah. And Matt's then I've great. also I've interviewed uh, Ken Belito on this show as well mm -hmm. from uh, yeah, oh, from, from Austin, Austin Evans. Evans. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting that like YouTube is kind of now expanding into this thing, right? Um, so, so yeah, I mean, Marquez already had, he already had a few people on his team, right? Like uh, Brandon Havard, who was probably one of my first YouTube inspirations that I like ever looked up to in, uh, and this was in like 2014 or something, because uh, his videos are insane. And yeah, he's great. Really he's talented. He's great. And he's a great guy. We're friends now. And um, Well, you're working with him. I hope so. Well, we, we will be. We're, we haven't worked together yet. Remember, I still have three days, three days left. <laughs> um, but then Andrew's amazing. Vin's amazing. So it's going from, you know, three employees to six employees. So it's me, Adam Molina, who actually was working with me on Android Authority, and we were very close. Um, nice. And then another friend of mine who uh, I can't. I can't talk about Disclose, yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sure. Um, but it's going to be a really cool team. My official job title is writer slash researcher. Um, so I'm going to, I guess Marquez likes that I go really in depth about specific things and kind of go into like, I like talking about um, theory. So like tech, like computational photography, I've yeah. done a whole series on and that kind of stuff. And I just really like that stuff. So I guess he wants me to add to that, which I still, <laughs> I still don't feel like I can... But whatever, you know. You'll figure it out. I mean, yeah. yeah. Is, he, on, is yeah. he allowing you to do your own thing too on the side oh, yeah. if you want to? That's a really awesome thing about it too is that he's actually really open and encourages uh, both freelance work for other, you know, if I want to write, I can go write for someone or that's if awesome. I want to have my own YouTube channel, I can do that. So that's really cool. Um, and I'm really excited because like the people that work there are so talented that I feel like yeah. I can just soak up so much from them. Um, so yeah, I'll mostly be like doing writing stuff, but like, Awesome. I'll be helping co-host the podcast, the Waveform podcast, and um, oh, sweet. probably shooting and editing. And are you gonna make Are you gonna make the podcast more consistent? <laughs> <laughs> I that's something they're working on. Yeah, that's something they're working. On. Uh, Adam Molina, my no, friend, no, who a lot of work. was at AA, is is actually gonna be the official like podcast producer. So oh, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It'll be flexible. Like he said in the interview, like he's looking to hire people who can kind of do everything. Yeah. And I think that like as YouTubers, we just, we have like 11 jobs, you yeah. know? So it, exactly. it becomes flexible. So, so now that, okay. So we've, we've done our setup. We both understand each other fairly well. I didn't tell you my story, but everybody on this show has already heard it. Who's listening to this podcast. I could say that for another time, but, um, what is the current state of YouTube for our niche? Now, obviously David is in the more, you know, technology niche, but cameras are also technology. So they do kind of, they're kind of hand in hand. And I, I think a lot of the camera reviewers are friends with 
the tech reviewers. It seems to be a. It's a starting to be match. more of a crossover than it used to be. I can I can guarantee. You. Like I, I used to watch a lot of camera YouTube when like the tech scene wasn't really blended into it. Mm-hmm. So like Gordon Lang from like Camera Labs and yeah, like, he's um, great. Yeah, he's awesome. And then like there's uh, Hugh Brownstone from Flip Three by Minute and Elephant. And then you got like Jordan Drake and Chris Nichols from like DP Review, um, who used to run the Camera Store TV. And so that used to be a very separate world. But I think because of the fact that technology is really weaving its way into cameras more now and the, re- mm-hmm. the release schedule of cameras is becoming way more frequent. Like before it, there was like a two year gap between, <laughs> yeah. you know, major camera. And, and, and when they updated, it was like, you know, some updates. But I think that camera brands are seeing so much pressure from the technology sphere, which just yep. updates rapidly, right? Like the reason that I think smartphones are kind of the easiest like videos to make is because the frequency of releases and the amount of companies is yeah. so rapid that I can make like two videos. I could make like two reviews a week and I still wouldn't review every phone, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, so It's not as good uh, for the camera market as phones for sure, but it but seems getting as there. <laughs> Sony, especially yeah. Sony in particular yeah. camera every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Casey, yeah. your channel, like if, if you just take a glance at it, you can, you can see like you are not following the like trends of camera reviewers. You're not reviewing every new camera that comes out. You, it seems no. like you're intentionally, choosing yes. things that actually interest you. Yeah, I, I mean, so I, it's hard to call my channel a review channel because I don't really review things. I only talk about things that I like. <laughs> so I'm not uh-huh. going to get I'm not going to talk about something that I don't like cuz I don't want to talk about it. Like, yeah. It just isn't enjoyable to me. Um Good so and you. I like don't I don't take <laughs> I don't take products that yeah. I'm not going to use. Like I, I get offers all the time for stuff and I'm like I'm never going to use that. So yeah. why would I talk about it? Um, That's awesome. But like even that the 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 A7S3 video, um, you know, the 2045 thing, you know, obviously that kind of fits into the style that I've put together. But it was also intentional that like, you know, I've done I have like an X100 video about the original one that's done pretty well, and I keep updating that to like say you should still buy it in 2019, 20, 21. And like people are like, oh, it's not. You said 2018 in the video. Like it can't be good anymore. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's still the same camera. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, well, whatever. Yeah. This camera's good in 2045. So right. you can't say that it's like past 2045 and the camera's no longer good. It's just like that. And that was a point that I made in that video. It's that like cameras have basically been good for the last like five years, <laughs> at least, and they're yeah. all pretty much the like to any non-professional it it's the exact same thing basically like they're all yeah and they're all they're all good they, you can make good images with pretty much anything that's out so that's like that's got me like sort of jaded by camera youtube because like i don't want to talk yeah. about every new camera because they're basically this it's like it doesn't it's really matter yeah. it's basically this i mean there's like some things that i, I would want it's basically like all cameras are good and now they're like slowly making the perfect one for everybody yeah sort true. of um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, so I sort of intentionally just talk about things with a specific kind of point in mind to the, the review like that. that I'm trying to talk about. So, yeah, you're right. I think like Sony in particular, it seems as though because they have so many releases, people are like almost getting burned out from it. But what's really cool is every camera I'm seeing on Twitter, 
you know, that comes out, there's somebody that needs that exact camera. Like, I think right now the rumors are, and by the time you listen to this, it might be out already, but the the FX3, I don't know if you guys saw the rumors mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's apparently just an A7S body in a more cinema-focused body, but it's also smaller, I think, than the A7S3. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, they, they, there's no indie filters, but it's got... As any tone, it's got like missing the perfect camera again. No, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're That's like, like they, the perfect camera to put it in. They have the FX6, uh, which is like yeah. the next level up or whatever. I think yeah. they designed it for the drone that they're working on, apparently. Uh, okay. But like to cinema people, like I saw, I posted also about perfect, it. Yeah. I know. Yeah. They posted perfect about I, I tweeted it and I saw like a lot of YouTubers are like, oh, you know, the A7S3 is fine for me. Like, I'm happy with that. I, I'm not interested in this. But then all these people who are traditional like cinema shooters who own like an FX9 or an FX6, they're like, oh, this is perfect. I actually need a small hybrid mm-hmm. and I don't want to get an A7S3 because it's not like it doesn't have all the pro video features that I want. Yeah. And so it's kind of like and then people are like, well, I don't want this. I, I want like a Z camera or something. Like everybody has their own little niche now within the niche of video it's crazy like Mm. when i started i don't know about you casey but i started right when the dslr revolution was happening i started in 2008 is when i started my professional Mm. exactly i mean that's when i graduated high school and that's when i me too yeah oh wait baby nice (laughs) are you are you 30 31 uh 31 yeah Yeah, (laughs) i had to think about that for a second yeah yeah i mean i was i was born in 1990 august 14th 1990 well yeah back when i started with camera well i had a dv camera like a mini dv a canon hvx 20 or hv 20 that's awesome was like my first but i remember (laughs) buying i remember back when i knew nothing about it i was like man i know that like all the good cameras are long so I need yeah, to get like a camera that's long. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. True. yeah. I don't know if like you the broadcast that. cameras and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I started, I started yeah. right at that tail end of the lettuce adapter thing, which yeah. was like you took a camcorder and then there was like a little mirror box that would shoot into like a Nikon lens, and you would basically fake depth of field by looking at a focus screen of a <laughs> lens with a camcorder. So the the rig was like way out is this and they were super rig. expensive and they then they had like the, they were like the passive and active ones the pa- yep. the active ones had like a rotating glass so you didn't see the the grain of the the yeah. the, the focusing screen i actually saw oh one God. for 20 dollars the other day and almost bought it just because i was like i never got to have one of these <laughs> <and I won." laughs> that's how i was with the 1dc i ended up buying it three of them now i think over <laughs> my career because that was that was like the dream camera for me at the time. It was like a 4K DSLR, which was unheard of at the oh, time. Nice. It was $15,000 when it came out. And I bought mine, my last one for $1,400 on eBay. So, mm. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I mean, see, there's so many cool cameras you can get, even if they're, they're not the top of the line. Like digital exactly. cameras are still fun. You, know, you can still use them. Exactly. Cool. And I, like I've heard a lot about the original 5D, like it has a very film like mm-hmm. look to it. And right. there's a lot of people that still choose that. And you can buy those for like 200 bucks, 200, 300 bucks. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. The, the 5D Mark II, I think, um, was that the one that had the magic lantern thing that could do raw video? Yeah. I mean, yeah. the Mark III yeah. was the, Mark the III. better one, I guess, because it did 1080p. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But the Mark II also. But I mean, the Mark II was the 5D Mark II was my first. DSLR camera that I got to work with and mm. I mean that changed everything when when we went to those cameras because you immediately overnight went from cameras that were 
you know, five feet long to yeah. a camera that's the size of, you know, a loaf of bread and or less than half yeah. half of a loaf of bread. Anyways, everybody knows this already, but um, I don't even know what I was getting to <laughs> <laughs> with yeah. this whole conversation. But it is amazing how technology has advanced so much now to where where we have these tiny little mirrorless cameras and let, even. Like you've talked about, Casey, that F, the X100, the original, is still a great camera for photography. The original A7S is still great for video. So basically, uh, one of the things that I've been struggling with in our niche is like there's I can just make any video I want uh, about camera gear and whatever, and it might perform well because it is like a catchy title or thumbnail. But I've noticed like people really want the quality of the video to be good. Otherwise, why should I listen to you? And it's kind of a weird kind of situation because to be a YouTuber, especially if you're a solo creator, it's a lot of effort to like, you know, to actually shoot it properly because you're filming yourself. So you have to have a monitor or, you know, if you're, God forbid, if you're using a camera without good autofocus, you got to deal with that. Um, you know, so you look at Marquez Brownlee, you look at Casey doing these amazing film cinematics. Uh, Josh Yeo, who I don't know if you guys know from Make Art Now, he does great f- cinematic films. Um, I feel like to be successful in this niche, the tech and camera gear niche, you kind of have to be a good filmmaker. I, I mean, I, I that was at least my sort of philosophy it, since I sort of kind of have been focusing on photo just because it's easier to take one picture than to make a a film or something and talk about that for a YouTube channel. That's why I've sort of just been focusing on photography since it's just like less work. But uh but just like a lot of the photography YouTube channels, at least when I started and, you know, even some now just don't look very good. I mean partially just because they're not video people and I'm like, I feel like the channel should look good if you're talking about things that make things look good I, I don't know like i feel like you should you should practice what you preach <laughs> and yeah. and i mean there's a lot of like just bad sample photos and that's one yeah. thing that that's <laughs> yeah. one thing that keeps me from putting videos out quickly is because i like want to have like actual good photos yeah. i mean obviously like you know i've been to a few fuji events now and you know you get like four hours of the camera and that's like really difficult to do it in, in that amount of time but like i try to you know i try to not just have like a picture of like a leaf or yeah something. or like the wall yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i've noticed that in in camera youtube a lot that a lot of people kind of just um take a bunch of random pictures and it's it's similar in um in like smartphone youtube or like tech youtube because it's it's the same thing where you don't have a lot of time to do like the embargo right and like people want to see sample photos from a from a phone but it's like you want to make them good photos if you can but it's sometimes it's also very difficult because you're just like cut on time or maybe it's the winter and like i don't know it's it's one of those situations i i I would maybe counter a little like not counter right uh the question you asked about like the video quality needing to be good and like a and like a tech video or like camera video. I think that like there are different avenues that you can take for like making quality content on YouTube. Um, and my mind got very shifted when I watched uh, a video from, uh, gosh, was uh, the founder, Jack Conti, uh, founder of Patreon. Oh, the Patreon guy. Yeah. Also um, in 
in the band Pomplamoose and Scary Pockets. Um, but he has a separate channel called like Jack Conti Extras. And I remember I was in Toronto at one point in a hostel and I watched one of his videos from this extras channel and it feels very like sporadic, right? Like he's using a GH5 and he's just running around and everything is really hectic and nothing like, but, but everything's planned out. And I think if you can like tell a compelling narrative, like storytelling, I think is, is just as equally as important as like video quality. Right. And I think being able to like tell a compelling narrative that keeps people's attention is like equally, if equally important, you know? So I think that there's a lot of people that, that will take different directions. Like you, you look at, um, video essay channels like nerd writer. I don't know if you know the nerd writer one YouTube channel. He's like one of my favorite, uh, video essayists and like he has barely any B roll, right? Not that he's reviewing a product, but he, you know, he reviews movies and stuff. And that's kind of my big question that I've been dealing with. And I, I was fortunate enough to interview uh, Hayden Hillier Smith, who's the editor for Logan Paul about right. uh, a month ago. And that was such a amazing, uh, interview for me because that was kind of my first time talking to, you know, a pop culture, uh, like true Titan on YouTube, yeah. uh, creator. And they're intentionally shooting it poor, uh, to give it this authentic, authentic look. Feel. Yeah, they yeah, shoot yeah. it handheld. They bake in the color. He doesn't ever color correct anything intentionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the mastery is actually in the editing and the storytelling. Yeah. And, like there's still this professionalism in the storytelling that, you know, you watch it and you're like, oh, it's shot so poorly. These people don't know what they're doing. But then you actually watch it and you're like, holy, holy and crap. And you watch the, the whole thing, right? The story like is so good. Hayden's yeah, such yeah, a, yeah. a brilliant editor. He, you know, he won best editor on uh, last year for the streamies, which is awesome. Oh, wow. Um, but uh, because he did a couple of films last year for Logan and it seems like things are changing from, just this crazy like daily vlog thing to Mr. Beast and David Dobrik kind of changed it to where it's like you have these very scripted, entertaining, just nonstop videos that are so crafted and entertaining that you just can't stop but watch the entire thing. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like Logan Paul is is doing that now too, where mm. it's just a really good story being told. But but you contrast that with our niche and like you look at MKBHD, you look at Linus Tech Tips, you look at just list any top creator in both niches. They both like in both niches, all the top creators have very have good both. looking video. But I, but I also think they have both. That's the thing. Like I think Marquez is like one of the best like sort orators, storytellers. Like it, all of his videos that are 17 minutes feel like they're like five minutes, right? Like, He's so natural on camera. Yeah, uh, that's with, a huge thing about it too. Huge, it is. Huge. Do, does like, he read a teleprompter? I actually don't know. I'll figure okay. that out. Well, you, I'll, you'll I'll, find I'll, out on I'll Monday. Find that out next week. <laughs> um, but and then you go like Linus too. Like Linus is so natural on camera. Yeah. He is. So I know good he does read a teleprompter, right? I'm yeah, yeah. Sure but he's so Linus good does, at not yeah, making he's it good. Yeah. seem like he's reading a script, and and that's so equally important because you know I'll like I was saying, like these, you know, these 13 year olds that are um, getting so good at video so fast. I think the one thing that the biggest thing that I, that will take improvement time is like just getting good on camera. And I think that, Mm -hmm. I think that just takes repetition, 
just tons and tons of repetition. You eventually get more natural. Yeah. And I think a big reason like Mark Marquez is so good at it is because he's been doing it since he was like, he's been talking yeah. to a camera since he was like 12, right? So it's like. Yeah, that, YouTube <laughs> yeah. recommends that video to me almost every week. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The update number two. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, this is That's a funny. 12 year old video. So yeah, it's yeah. crazy. And I had the luxury of being, I was a magician professionally for six years before I ever started video. So I had the performance experience as well. And I've found a lot of people that, you know, either they have experience on YouTube or they have some sort of prior, you know, drama or like entertainment arts background. I mean, Michael Fisher had, you know, he's got this he great radio voice. Of, a voice mm -hmm. artist. Yeah. Yeah. He's got was, a super good I was going to mention him too. And his scripting is so <laughs> ridiculously good. You know, he spends like a day or two days just scripting. You know, I yeah. see him in his room. He's scripting. He was scripting all day today. So it's like. Yeah, it's, it, I think it's the people that can like effectively do both that are really at the, in the like top 1% of like in terms of quality. And a lot of people like to lean on one side or the other and that'll get you somewhere, but it probably won't propel you up until up into like the top, top tier. Yeah. You really just have to get good at like both sides. Yeah, I mean, now it seems as though every day I'm, I'm discovering new YouTubers reviewing camera stuff and their yeah. set looks better than my set, you know, yeah. and like their lighting looks better than my lighting and they've got, you know, a couple hundred subscribers and, you know, only posted maybe three videos, you know, and, you know, it's just, it's amazing how people are just kind of coming out of nowhere. Yeah. I think a lot of people listening maybe think to themselves, okay, well I can buy an Aperture 120D and a, you know, a really good boom mic and, make my little wood panels in the background and just start, you know, and then make money. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it just takes time, takes repetition and yeah. it takes a lot of effort. So. Yeah. And luck. <laughs> and luck. You're right. And There's luck. a lot of luck involved. I, I feel like people just don't, aren't willing to acknowledge the luck sometimes. Like I'm just going to, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I, I interviewed Matty Apoya, mm -hmm. but like, it's very lucky that he happened to be friends with one of the most successful photography related YouTubers on the entire platform, Peter McKinnon. Like, mm -hmm. I think he's willing to acknowledge that the thing that makes him different than other people that have had interactions with Peter is that he has been able to harness it and, and grow his own thing. And I actually love what he's created on his own and uh, he's become his own person. However, he was absolutely very lucky to happen to be, like best friends with Peter McKinnon. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dan Mace, right? Like he was friends with Case Neistat. Like very lucky. Yeah. And uh, yeah. here you are, David. Like you live in an area in the country that happens to be near where Marquez is. And you happen to be in an industry that... Yeah, no, I mean, with everything him. with Android Authority was luck, right? Yeah. Like mm -hmm. I don't know why they hired me in the first place. I think, <laughs> I think the... I was very obsessive about improvement and that like, once you get your foot in the door from luck, then there is a lot of personal, uh, you know, effort that you put in and that comes out. Yeah. But, uh, also like the fact that I was able to get a full-time job that let me improve at something that I wanted to improve at. The other thing, Android authority had 2 million subscribers when I joined, yeah. right? Like that is completely luck. If I, if I was starting my own, Android phone review channel, like it doesn't matter 
how many, uh, how good I was real. I mean, it does obviously like you can grow over time with repetition. And I still believe that, uh, you know, skill and, and repetition can triumph triumph luck, but it will take an extra like two or three years. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, being able to do that as my full-time job. So I didn't have to like spend my time doing something else being able to like have access to all these phones, right? Like getting review units. Like I couldn't, if I couldn't afford to buy like a thousand dollar phone every week, if I, if I was a solo YouTuber, like, <laughs> I don't know how people so do it. Exactly. I don't know how people do it right now. So it I would like just, in, I would return it. I would just buy it and return it after my review. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel yeah, like I, you can only do that so many times before they start right, questioning you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. why you go to Adorama, B&H, you go to like <laughs> you get all the different cameras, ones, yeah. Amazon, yeah, yeah. You just yeah, cycle like, through it. Dude, yeah. I've had some some lucky sort of situations, I guess, sort of on a smaller scale than maybe other people. But like, I mean, I've tried to like push my videos out like manually, like send them to blogs and stuff and, and you know, post them on Reddit and whatnot. But like probably actually the reason that Dave saw me was because uh, the marketing manager of Hasselblad saw my my video about the X-Pan or the, the DIY X-Pan on Reddit and he like emailed me and then we were like chatting and that was like the first time I like talked to some legitimate That's person awesome. in the camera world. And he's like, oh, your thing's awesome. We want to send you a $40,000 camera to try it out on because we're just curious as to what it looks like. So, And then he made and that then, video and then I saw Then I made the video, video then I met you and then yeah. you you gave me Fuji's email address. And oh, then, yeah, I, yeah, you know, yeah. I've, I've been, you know, I know all the, the Fuji people now and, the, right. you know, they have me out at events every now and then. So, Casey, what are your, what are your like, goals with youtube do you is it a complete just playground for you like a sandbox for you to just play in or do you want to be a full-time youtuber i feel it's sort of like evolved uh, a bit as i've been doing it you know i don't have very many videos so i guess it hasn't been evolving that much but uh i, I mean honestly I started the channel because I just really like cameras and I was like, man, it'd be awesome if people would just send me them so I don't have to buy them and then I can play with them <laughs> Yeah, exactly. because so I can yeah. satiate my hunger for cameras because I'm, I'm literally obsessed with cameras. I think I have like 60 cameras at my house. Like wow. yeah. it's, he sent I just me, legitimately like cameras. Yeah. Casey sent me a spreadsheet of all the camera equipment that he has. Yeah. I just totaled today. up all of my, you have to like camera scroll equipment. down the page for like, 10 seconds before you get to the bottom. <laughs> um, but like, so that, I mean, obviously kind of a dumb reason to start, but, uh, and, you know, after my second video, I had a company send me something. So I was like, well, that's pretty cool. Um, so goal achieved already. So I could just do whatever after that point. But, uh, but, but sort of now, like, you know, you don't, you don't often get the, you know, the opportunity to shoot like a sci-fi short or a feature or something. So sort of like just it's kind of just my excuse to play around with that, you know, just in my free time by myself, just making, you know, this kind of sci-fi universe that my videos like partially take place in. So, (laughs) um, so that's kind of, I mean, I would love for it to be, a something that could sustain me um that would be that would be pretty awesome um you know again i I probably need to start producing a little bit more consistently for that um 
but so far I just want to keep it so it doesn't doesn't become a burden and I still like enjoy making the stuff but I have some kind of big overarching plans for the channel um and sort of the first steps into that was this that fake commercial that was in the beginning of the A7S video I kind of have some plans to build a sort of a GX cinematic universe behind the videos <laughs> I, I just think it'd be fun to like slowly start transforming it into like a narrative that people like don't even realize that it's happening and then you're like wait what this is like a narrative or i don't know yeah i just think it it no, could be I fun to play it. with the easter egg stuff. and yeah. yeah and to just play with like the tropes of youtube because everything's like sponsored and everyone you know there's always ads so i was like oh, i'm just gonna start making fake ads that look like real ads and just like start messing with people and, and totally. people got pissed by that like people were like what the hell like you're shill and i was like <laughs> yes that's awesome oh they actually thought it was real yeah so, they're like yeah. what the hell i pay for youtube premium like i can't believe creators are putting ads like directly in their videos now and i'm like did you watch i'm like it? i don't know i'm just like i don't know what you're talking about what like what ad yeah so that's so good yeah I'm, I'm scrolling down so by the way everybody should absolutely go watch this video if you haven't already i'll link it in the show notes and in the description of the video uh on youtube um but yeah i'm looking at the comments and somebody says i literally was skipping that ad footage haha you tricked me with that ad footage and by the way, this is an, this ad is an almost entirely 3D made, and Casey learned 3ds Max in like three months. Yeah, it's, it, uh, Cinema 4D. Cinema 4D, sorry, not 3D. Yeah, yeah. I, I've 4D. actually been watching. Um, do you know P uh, Punisher? Uh, no. Um, he he's like the VFX dude for Corridor Digital. Okay. Uh, and yeah. he has his own channel, but he does a lot of like live streams on Cinema 4D and and compositing and stuff. That's um, awesome. And just like after doing that commercial, which I mean, it took me a little while just because I was tweaking it, but honestly, it it was easier than I thought it was. Yeah, and that sort of blew me away. And I'm like, man, you can do so much stuff with 3D yeah. and make it look really good now. And it's like relatively easy. I, and uh, as long as you like know how to light stuff, like it, it which works to just be like fair, lights do like in real life. The hardest thing for most people is lighting. So that's yeah. But at least in this, you can you don't have to buy lights. That's <laughs> you just also true. Just hit. And you can emulate yeah. lenses too. So. Yeah, I'll send you yep. guys in the chat here. This was my first, same exact situation where I had zero experience with uh, 3D. And I made, if you skip to like, you know, 30 seconds in or whatever, it's a music video. Hold on, I'm going to have to get up. Cause my oh, no, no, you don't have to watch five it. Five feet away. Don't, oh, okay. don't watch it. I'll, I'll look at it later. You can watch it later. But yeah, same thing except with Element 3D in After uh, Effects. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Pretty, it's pretty garbage, honestly, when I look at it now. But it was... Same thing where I got hired and somebody was like, you think you could do this? I was like, yeah, I can do that. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> but <laughs> that, That's freelancing for you. It's so It's like, fun. oh, do you know how to do this thing? It's like, nope. Or it's like, yep. But you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And then you just learn it. If we're talking first 3D videos, then I'll send you guys mine. Please, please do. <laughs> a music it's, video for my band and it's so bad. I didn't know you are in a band. I was in a band in uh, in high school and a little bit of college. We have an album on Spotify. I'll send it to you. Is it a ska band? Yeah, it's or a ska band. Of? It's a it's a what do you play? Like uh, drums and I sing. But oh, wow. I've, I played I played jazz drums since I was like seven. Did you like the movie Whiplash? Nice. Whiplash is amazing. I forced <laughs> I Michael. Still, I forced Michael to watch it. Yeah. I still haven't seen that movie. Oh, it's so good. 
Oh, that's great. Yeah. It. It's, it's yeah. I'm actually known for not seeing very many movies. It's very funny. All my friends make fun of me. It's like, how are you like a, a cinematographer <laughs> and you're like, like haven't seen like any movies? But that's that's me. Have you seen Blade Runner? <laughs> No, <laughs> your your entire aesthetic is based. Wait, have on you actually not yeah. seen Blade Runner? No, no, I, I have. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Which is funny because everybody says Japan is Blade Runner, but China is China. A thousand is, yeah. I mean, China is literally what like inspired Blade Runner. So it's like everybody's like, oh man, Tokyo so, looks so much like Blade Runner. It's like while no, it while David's looking for that, Casey, what brought <laughs> what brought you to China? Why did you go there? How long were you there for? Was it just a, a uh, visit, or were you actually living there? Uh, just um. Pretty much my best friend is from there, um, so I go back every... Uh, I've been back every time she's like gone back to visit her family, so um, it's been like the last last three years I've went there, and I'm slowly attempting to learn Chinese so I can have more fun while I'm That's there. That's cool. Well, I think your but, aesthetic definitely fits in that world. Like, if you actually were able to somehow live there, like, for some reason, I thought you actually did. I know. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's, like, it's funny because everybody's like, oh, man, I want to go to, like, Hawaii to, like, the beach for, like, a vacation. But I'm like, send me to, like, the weirdest, grungiest place in China. And, like, that's awesome. Because <laughs> it, it, it literally looks a thousand percent like Blade Runner all the time there. I love it. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> um, do you have any, like, specific cameras that you would be interested in reviewing that you just haven't had access to? Is there anything on your list that you really uh, want to work Well, on? for the, I mean, for the longest time, I, I you know, obviously wanted an X-Pan because I built my own, um, but I, I have one now, um, and yeah. I'm, you know. Casey so do and you, I are X, yeah, we're X-Pan bros. <laughs> X-Bros. Oh, yeah. We're actually, we've been, um, we've been quote unquote working on like a dual review. Uh, I have the TX-1, which is the Japan only Fujifilm version of the X-Pan. The story is that uh, Hasselblad wanted to make a medium format, technically medium format, panoramic rangefinder, 35 millimeter panoramic rangefinder, but they didn't want to manufacture it. So they went to Fujifilm and Fujifilm made it for them. Uh, but then they were like, we're already manufacturing this. We should just make a Japan-only version that is under the Fujifilm name. Oh, so wow. that's my TX-1. And then and then uh, Casey has the X-Pan. So we start, when he came and stayed with me last year, we started working on this like dual review video. And we still have all the mm-hmm. footage and it still looks really good. But I, I we haven't put it together yet. Um, yeah, oh, partially uh, partially because I like I don't have enough photos taken that, with that's it. That's a big that I, like, part of feel mine comfortable yeah. review, like. Because right. I really want to do it justice. Every time I, I would, really like every it. time I would put together an art board for like uh, a treatment when I was a mm-hmm. director and doing music videos and stuff, I would just go on Flickr and search XPan. <laughs> like just you <laughs> nice. could just pull Im- like people take the most cinematic images on that thing because they're like naturally mm-hmm. cinematic. Yeah, sixty-five yeah. by twenty-four. Yeah. yeah. Again, yeah. if people aren't aware, this camera is basically like an ultra uh, panoramic. Let me grab mine over here. Oh, one sec. Yeah, go grab it. And it's uh, it uses 35 millimeter film, right? Or yep. is it? And it's so it's effectively a six by seven width. Wow. But it's you know it's only two high, so it's like two by seven or two by seven. Yeah. It's crazy. So so it's basically so the 45 millimeter lens is a 45 millimeter lens technically on six by seven format so yeah so it works out to be a 22 millimeter 1.5 on full frame oh my gosh so yeah so the the width of it is equivalent of a 25 but the uh, 22 compre- yeah yeah but the compression is that of a 45 uh but the, the crop at least because it's not anamorphic so it doesn't gotcha 
so yeah, it's not quite the same, but um, yeah. If they so, made an anamorphic film camera, that'd be amazing. But and no, they never will. Well, that would be yeah. just putting an anamorphic lens on a camera. Yeah, which is what I have done, but like <laughs> right. it's so cumbersome and annoying to use that you don't want to use it very often. So if you're an audio listener of the podcast, I would encourage you to go over to youtube.com, search for the Hour <laughs> show, watch this clip so you can see David showing off his camera. Yeah, so this is the TX1. Um, it is made of pure titanium, which is why it's that like copper color. And then it has uh, this wood grip that you can either get it with a wood grip or a black leather grip. Nice. Um, it's in, it looks like it's in perfect condition. It's not. <laughs> it was. It was when I bought it. So when I bought it, I uh, I bought it in Japan because I, my friend Jonas Rask, who uh, he's an amazing photographer, one of my favorite photographers, and I've gotten to know him through just DMing him on Instagram and stuff. And he's also part of the beers and cameras thing. Uh, he made a blog post about the X-Pan and he's a, he does all Fujifilm's uh, product photography, basically, like product shots. Uh, and he made this blog post about it and I was like, I have to have this. So I went to Tokyo because I was already in Hong Kong and China for work. So I just popped over to Tokyo and I found a, this camera. There was a shop that had like three of them, but it also had a special edition. So they released a special edition of the TX1, which comes with this uh, metal Pelican case that says Fuji TX1 on it. And the special edition came with all three lenses. They only released three lenses. Oh my gosh. Right. You had to get it. Right. So, so it came with that. It came with three lenses. It came with uh, two rolls of film, Fuji Superior 400 and Fuji Acros 100. Uh, It came with a special edition lens hood. And then this special edition. Were you like hyperventilating when you saw this? Holy cow. (laughs) Yeah. So, so (laughs) they actually don't, um, someone had brought this in and they, it was unused, completely unused. And, uh, but the 30 millimeter lens that you can get with these cameras, uh, is so rare. I think it was only like sold in the special edition kits or something. And because of that, it's so rare that they actually took it out of the one they were selling and they were sold it separately for five grand. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas I I was able, yeah. So I was able to get the special edition and it was brand, brand new camera, 45 millimeter F4, 90 millimeter F4. What are the odds um, that somebody would hold on to that for so long? And not it's use one it? of those situations where someone just like buys something and then they end up just leaving it in their attic. Yeah. I don't really understand how that happens. Uh, but it, that's almost the same with my X fan. I actually got it uh, in some like random small town in the north of Michigan. That uh, they uh, basically the owner of the store like wasn't. It was like a camera store. The owner of the store didn't have. Uh, didn't have the camera for sale in their normal inventory, but I was just talking to him. I was like, man, I really wish I had an X fan. He's like, Oh look, he's like, come to the back room. He's like, I got an X fan. Cause he like, didn't want to, he didn't want the store to sell it. Like what? he wanted to sell it oh. so, like personally. Cause it was like his personal camera, but he oh. didn't want to like do the deal at the store. But uh, it was like some old lady had it, like their, her, her husband died or something a long time ago, and it was just like in a box in their basement for a long time and then he sold it they, she sold it to the camera store wow um so i mean and, and it basically hadn't been used before these, so. the x-pan from hasselblad it, by the way it's a hasselblad camera if people aren't aware they do go for like over two thousand dollars on ebay sometimes yeah, five thousand right 
Yeah, with, with the, the lens, lens yeah. they go for like five grand. Yeah. Is that yeah. is that a new thing? Like, have they just grown in popularity, or was it always that expensive? Like, yeah, cameras have kind of <laughs> became stocks recently. Yeah, Casey and I talk about this because we buy film cameras like they're you know candy, and uh, <laughs> the the market for for film cameras in particular over the last like two to three years has just completely skyrocketed. Um, but the cool thing about it is like you can feel bad about spending money on a film camera, but stocks only go up. <laughs> and uh, these are basically stocks because like in like specifically because it, it, there's a finite amount of resources, right? Yeah. There's a finite amount of cameras. They're going to break over time. They're going to get lost to time. They're not making them anymore. And if people keep wanting them, the market is just going to say, you know, it's going to get more expensive. So I don't feel as bad hoarding these film cameras because I love them and they're beautiful and they're mine. And um, you're taking care of them. So. In five years, yeah. I can probably you and know, you use them. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking care of them. My my TX1 is is in good condition, but when I got it, it was in brand brand new condition. But I can still probably sell this in a few years for like double what I bought it for. You know, yeah. even though I'll never sell. This what's camera. The, mm-hmm. what's that camera? Um, it's a medium format uh, rangefinder. Yeah, it's t- technically. Small. It's like, it's like 35, so I can't show what you because I have a roll of film in it right now. Oh, you're talking about a uh, There's like the, the Machina 6.7. Is that the, it? You yeah, have one of those, right? I know Sam Elkins has one. Um, a medium format film camera that's small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think that's like the smallest one I can think of. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, Do you have one of those? Uh, I think Dave does. I don't. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, what is it? The Is it yeah, a Fuji? Or is it? Uh, there's like uh, there's a few rangefinders. Uh, there's a Fuji one. I forget what it's called. It's like a GX. Yeah, GWC or something. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then the yeah, that's it. I think. Okay. Or yeah, that that actually was produced up until a few years ago. Wait, you so, could buy that oh. new. Or what's what, the what? one? Is it a Pentax one that I'm talking about? I don't remember. Are you talking? Wait. So you're not talking about the Mangana? Are you talking about the Mangana? Yeah. The, I, I, I <laughs> guess that's one of them. Day just flies in with a. Amazing camera. What is that? So what is that one? You mean so, this, this camera, guys? Yeah. I don't think that's what I'm talking about, oh, but tell oh, me about mean, this. You mean the Mamiya 7? That's it. The Mamiya. That's it. The Mamiya. Oh, yeah, this yeah. one. Okay. That one's Yeah, the Machina, I think, is the smallest the, medium format yeah. rangefinder. Yeah. yeah. So this is That's a, also really rare. Yeah. It's a bellows, bellows-based camera. So you can press a button and actually pull the bellows out. And then it has like... <laughs> Yeah, and you, it has you, a Nikon lens too. It has a Nik- Nik- Nikon lens, which is cool. Um, and you can adjust the bellows with this little knob on the top. That is so dorky. I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so beautiful, and it produces amazing images. Why don't you have a uh, David? Why don't you have a, a film camera channel? I You're supposed to. I'm supposed to. <laughs> yeah, that's like supposed you to can, be my. You can really justify these uh, purchases if you do that. I know. Well, yeah, that, I tell that I tell that to myself all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. The, yeah, you make a purchase and you're like, if I make this purchase, I will definitely do this thing, and yeah. then, I, then I don't do it. Yeah, I, Sam probably has a Mamiya Seven or a Mamiya Seven Two. I think it's that one. Yeah, that's the uh, one. That, yeah, the Mamiya Seven glass, in my opinion, is like some of the best glass like ever created. It's wow. so ridiculously good. <laughs> it is ridiculously good. Um, yeah, I have a I have a Mamiya Mamiya Seven One and Mamiya Seven Two, but that's because I like 
met a guy in Florida who sold me the 7.2 for like a third of market rate. So is the 7.2 the better one, I would assume? Because they're newer, basically or? the same camera. Yeah. So they released they released like five or six years apart. Um, but the only thing that they added to the two is they added this extra lug on the side. So if you want, you can carry it sideways. <laughs> and then they added a double exposure um, function. I don't so, care about that. Yeah, yeah th those are literally the only two differences. Otherwise, this camera is the same as the one. So it's very, okay. it's very. I mean, that's one of the things, like, just like those two cameras that you just pulled out, like, that's the reason I like cameras so much, because there's like so much variety, so especially much in like older cameras. There's like so many different so much cameras. Yeah. And that's actually what I think is like sucks about cameras now is they're pretty much all they're the same all, and like, they pretty much yeah. all do the same thing yeah. and they don't they all pretty much look the same and that's that's what's cool i guess about the fact that there's now these cube cameras and stuff coming out is you're getting more variety and i think fujifilm in particular like is does a good job of having a good variety like the x pro 3 is like more of like a leica style and then you've got the the xt3 which is more of a cross and then you've you know they're gonna make a video camera and they've got the medium and format I, <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I keep like quoting myself from my videos, but like, like I feel like cameras need to be interesting to use, like physically, or or cell phones that can perfectly pick out the background and replicate lens characteristics and artifacts with AI are just gonna completely take over, like cameras eventually. I mean, that's definitely gonna happen. So it's like, it's a different way to interface with taking photos and just like you know you use a tool for you know there's different types of tools for doing different jobs so it's like this physical the physicality of using a camera i think needs to be part of what yeah. inspires you to use no, it. no and that's the whole reason like why i got into photography was because the xt2 felt so much better to me than the gh5 and it was fun right like i people are always asking me like about my opinions on phone photography because they know I'm a photographer and I do phone journalism, but like, I hate taking photos with my phone. <laughs> like I can, I can assess the technical capabilities of it, but on any given day, like I don't care that my camera is bigger than my phone. I will take my camera specifically just because I like using it more. You know? So, yeah. And I mean, as a, uh, I think I'm the only father in this conversation, right? You guys yeah. don't have kids. Yeah, I've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And like, it seems as though the importance of the photos have just dramatically skyrocketed for me. And I know there's plenty of parents out there and plenty of even creators out there who are totally fine with using their phone to capture their children. But to me, it's like, there's no question in my mind that like I want good, high-quality, beautiful images of my kids because... Like every day they are changing and growing and like it's it's blowing my mind now that I have a, a second one, I'm seeing, you know, comparing that to the first one, how fast they grow. It's nuts. So like I really want the perfect camera. I'm almost, I've almost thought about because I am in this weird limbo right now where I, I'm also taking a break uh, for the first time in three years from YouTube because I quit my job with Indie Mogul uh, in January. So I've already gone a month without creating any uh, videos on YouTube and I'm trying to figure out what I want to do next. And I was even thinking about making a section of my content about finding the perfect like dad camera. <laughs> 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 so. I think that the, 
the Fuji X100 is like the perfect camera for photographing kids oh, and, yeah. and growing up with kids because it's just so pocketable and it and the image quality is so ridiculously good. One know? of the things that is so important to me, and I never would have known this unless I had toddlers, is the face and eye tracking of oh. cameras is so <laughs> important because toddlers are moving so yeah. much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm noticing like the only cameras that can even keep up with a toddler are Sony cameras. Sony cameras, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with yeah, the face tracking. Though I you probably follow Matt Day, right? On uh, yeah. on yeah, I mean he yeah. he makes it a big point to photograph his kids like every single day and uh he does that with film, so I guess it, it yeah, is possible. Yeah, he's able to make it work. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, people, maybe he just has a superpower. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, people have been taking photos of children with film cameras for decades. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> not like yeah, sure, 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 sure. sure. It's but not the face like, tracking would make it a lot easier for sure. Yeah, I like. I have a I have a ZV one, which it's kind of like you have to weigh the pros and cons of like you want a small camera that you can kind of have with you at all times. But like, I don't want the sensor to be too small. So like, the one inch sensor isn't enough for me. I want full frame. So yeah, right. Or so I've been. You guys may know. Like, I'm a big Olympus guy. I love my Olympus cameras mm. um, because it seems to be the perfect middle ground of like I can get a one two aperture lens on there. It has really good face and eye tracking. The ibis is insane. Uh, it's weatherproofed. Got a flip screen. Like yesterday, I was in the snow taking pictures of my kids. Uh, building a snowman and it was getting covered with snow and the whole thing was getting completely wet and i'm like okay weatherproof is on the list of a dad cam too yeah <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, high, no, burst, the, high burst rate you know because they move around so much anyways right. i'm going too long uh, on this topic no i mean the, the one no olympus cameras are cool <laughs> dude like i i it's kind of sad that they sold off their business um i'm wondering if panasonic does anything with it but um, uh they, I mean, the the new owners have repeatedly said that they are continuing production. So okay, uh, and yeah. there was a recent article on Four Thirds Rumors where they interviewed the new head of the company, mm. and he was talking about how this year they do have um, a couple of cameras that they're going to release. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, I I'm hopeful for the future. They update. They did a, a ProRes RAW update right before Christmas for the Olympus EM1 Mark II. So that was promising. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, but it's honestly, it's kind of dumb. Like nobody knows this about Olympus, but like I, I talked about on my channel cause I switched. I was like, this, this is the perfect vlogging camera that everybody wanted. It's got amazing IBIS. The autofocus is great. The flip screen is there. The color science is way better than Sony and the lenses are small and compact and it does 4k. So I don't know. <laughs> and like the small sensor, I think, is a benefit for vlogging because yeah, like people yeah. don't need to shoot like 1.4 on a 24 millimeter <laughs> exactly. and, and like show where they're at. It's like it's all just blurry in the background. Yeah. So it's like I think most people like just for some reason they they just they're just very attached to the full frame thing. So yeah, like totally. they don't want they, they don't want a big. Ca- I mean, it's not a it's not a huge camera, but it's not a small camera, right? Well, that's, so, well, that's the thing mm-hmm. is like the A7S III with some of their prime there, lenses yeah. can. Can actually be smaller. be smaller than a microphone yeah. third so yeah, yeah so yeah well um i feel like we could probably talk for another three hours about like just random stuff but it's been <laughs> before we end actually i just want to say the one thing about olympus that i really like yeah and i wish other camera manufacturers would bring is the um 
the thing that you can do when you're in bulb mode and it shows the exposure growing over time. Ooh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm trying to remember the name of that. For astrophotography... So like, you can just preview it without having to yeah, guess. Yeah, so like over time, <laughs> yeah. you can see the exposure kind of like coming in to... Just like, like an iPhone, basically. Yeah, like, like a preview. Mode. Exactly, like yeah. a preview. Yeah, like an iPhone. Like I... Whenever I do astrophotography, it's so annoying that you have to like basically just guess or if you're doing just nighttime photography in general, guess the exposure but that actually shows it in real time they probably have a patent on it because nobody else has added it and i'm not really sure why it's really great and um this similar to what casey was saying about fuji cameras i know it's not it doesn't have it does have kind of some retro no, the hand, it, it, no, they totally does. Do. they totally do yeah but yeah, yeah. um they're like the other one that it's a yeah. little bit more ergonomic i think uh-huh. uh, like the grip the grip kind of throws it off it looks kind of ugly but it does feel really good um, yeah. and the, the buttons are great. The layout's amazing. Like, yeah, they're super, I feel like Olympus is really underrated. Like it's a mm-hmm. great company and I don't think you should count micro four thirds out cause you can get such good IBIS with micro four thirds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But you know, the resolution isn't that great. You know, I take pictures of the kids with it and you zoom in just a little bit. It's like, ah, eh, it's it not that apart. sharp. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. um, but it does have the high res mode. And I would use that for thumbnails uh, sometimes. So like if I'm doing a thumbnail on camera, I just Mm. set it. You can actually handhold it because the IBIS is so good. And it'll do an 80 megapixel still, um, which is pretty cool. It's like a pixel shift. Yeah, it's like taking By the handheld. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah the IBIS is it's really so good. good. IBIS. Yeah, the IBIS is so good. It's it's best in class IBIS. Like it's uh, everybody talks mm-hmm. about it. Like yeah. Olympus has the yeah. best IBIS in the biz. But yeah. Anyways. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. I don't know. I think they might have some patents or something or rather. But everybody <laughs> yeah. uses Sony sensors, even Fuji. So yeah. at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yep. It's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you just can't talk about that with uh, the. Uh, every time I would go to NAB, I'd be like, "So is this the?" Uh, I go like to the Nikon booth oh, with yeah. the C6. I'm like, "So this is the A7 III sensor, right?" And they're like, "No, it's a it's a Nikon sensor." I'm like, "Well, no. I mean, it's the same megapixels. It's like, you know, this." <laughs> company i forget what it's called um they actually will do x-rays of the sensor and you can actually oh, see the yeah. model number oh, on okay. it. oh. <laughs> and it's the same model number so like yeah, just, yeah you saw the drama with the the red mags and the red sensor from that yeah, dude on, on right. youtube who is like debunking it's like these are just off the shelf ssd <laughs> oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah 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 yep. yeah i mean these companies got to make money somehow and uh you yeah. know uh, Sony, it's okay. Like if Sony makes all the sensors, because each company has their own interpretation of color science, and they have their yeah. own people. Yeah, I mean everything is debayered or I guess dx transed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Fuji right. camera. Um, so. I think Canon and Sony are the only companies that make their own sensors. That's why Canon has such a unique look compared to right. other companies because they do mm-hmm. actually make their own sensors. But. Um, you know, I did get this C70 for my new job. That's the only reason why I have it. I'm doing just a lot of video, long mm. form stuff, shooting for like two to four hours at a time. Oh, and wow. I needed 4K 10 bit and having built in NDs and all that stuff is great. So yeah. I went and with no, the, and no 30 minute record time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, it just so happens to also be a pretty good little YouTube camera too, because it's not that big and it's got a nice little flip screen on it and the autofocus is great. So. I'm happy with the C70, but it's a little, I still like the hybrid life. I mean, is there something to hybrid shooting for you guys that like you could both get a cinema camera if you wanted to? Why do you choose to use a hybrid? 
I, I mean, like, I, I just imagine traveling, and I already take too much crap with me, and I, ha- I have too many cameras, obviously, and it's legitimately an issue with deciding what I want to bring. And it's like, if I had a camera... Because I'm definitely going to want to film stuff when I travel, so I don't want to like have to have a dedic- a camera that can only do that. Um, I mean, I've been considering the Blackmagic camera because it's just so cheap, um, but I just borrowed the 4K the other day, and and to me, Micro Four Thirds is too limiting because most of my lenses are uh, like M mount lenses, and I and I like those focal lengths, so like the crop factor is too much for me. And then for some reason, camera companies keep using the EF mount, which I don't know why. They should just <laughs> they stop should using that. put RF on it, yeah, at least. Yeah, like everything should be RF mount. It, like, it's like, I don't know. Because you can it's adapt fine. it. Yeah. You can adapt to anything. Like, just pick whatever the shortest flange distance mount is and make every camera that, in my opinion. I think that's Nikon, but, uh, technically, Z mount, but nobody's yeah, going to yeah, do I think, that. Technically, the Z, yeah, that'll never happen. So <laughs> RF it is, I guess. <laughs> yeah. for, for me, like, I... You know, I lived out of a suitcase for three years, and uh, I literally had a backpack. That's a big suitcase. You lived in it? Oh, actually, yeah, I lived inside of it, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, so when I was going to Switzerland one time, uh, my suitcase got lost, and all my clothes went missing. So, uh, you know, I just decided, like, I got, I got, like, triggered by that. So I was like, I'm never checking anything ever again. So I got a carry-on, I got a carry-on size suitcase and my backpack, and I lived out of just that for three years. So like, while it would have been nice to have an extra camera, I was stuffed to the brim, and I had to do all my reporting and all my video production with just what I had on me. So, so we never we never talked about this. Like, so when you got hired with Android Authority, did you just decide like, screw it, I'm just going to travel the world because I can work anywhere? <laughs> like what? What, what I worked, happened? What did you do? So I was I was working with them for a, for a while. Um, they asked me to move to San Francisco to work on a side project they were working on, uh, which eventually got turned into like a newsletter thing. But it, it was supposed to be a new um, a new YouTube channel, a new website, um, and it's kind of been scrapped. But either way, so I moved to San Francisco from Santa Cruz, and I was working with them. But they kind of uh, shut that down, but I was still living in San Francisco. But when I became kind of the main video person on Android Authority, I was traveling like three weeks out of the month. And I was living in San Francisco in a one bedroom apartment with four four other people and paying a thousand dollars a month to share a one bedroom with four other people. And I was like, (laughs) if I'm gone three, if I'm gone three, (laughs) wait, 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 hold on. A thousand dollars a month. Yeah. For a one bedroom. (laughs) With four but it, people. But it was okay because the year before when I was in college, we had 10 people in a two bedroom and I slept in the pantry. Do, so I was used to it. I do, was used uh, to it. So I would assume that. So San Francisco, yeah. like uh, landlords, I assume are used to this idea that multiple people are going to live there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. San Francisco and the Bay Area, like, yeah, <laughs> multiple people live in these areas. Crazy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was, I was doing that. So anyway, I was traveling like three weeks out of the month, but I was still paying like over a thousand dollars. Cause like it was a thousand dollars just for the rent. And then there was the utilities. And I was like, if I'm traveling for work three weeks out of the month, why am I, what do I even have an apartment? <laughs> yeah. So exactly. when my lease expired, I was just like, I'm just not gonna get a new apartment. And, um, it worked well because, you know, Android authority would send me to some country and then, 
once you're in like Europe or Asia, it's like $15 to go to (laughs) the next country over. So I just started like country hopping and, um, I would be doing stuff for work almost every week, if not every other week. So it was like, I would do some stuff and then go to a nearby country, hang out, explore it. And wow, that is so fun. It was so fun. Um, and the pandemic kind of ruined everything. Uh, <laughs> cause I was doing, I was doing that basically up until the pandemic. And then I got a place in New York and the rest is, the rest is now you're stuck. To, history, now you're stuck to old MKBHD. Uh, yeah. I know. <laughs> ugh, ugh. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, I, no, I mean, I, the, the, it's a, it's a period of your life. There's chapters in all yeah. of our lives mm-hmm. and that's, that was a really cool chapter of yours. It was. I get stressed because I'm like, I feel like I wasn't done. Like I just wanted to keep doing it forever because yeah. I actually get, I, I feel more comfortable uh, in chaos and like the unknown than I do in repetition. So it's. Yeah, we'll buy a van and become a van lifer. <laughs> that was, I, that was actually my plan this year in, in March, I was going to move to um, Washington state and just kind of like <laughs> mull around Washington state in a, in a van. Um, yeah, that was also my plan this for the summer, but yeah. didn't, get, didn't get it all finished until the winter. Yeah, started, so. that yeah. was my plan this year. And then I got the new job. And so with the new job, I have to be here. At sure. least for, and, you know, things are going to be normal eventually. We'll be able to all see each other at CES again one day. And, you know, it'll I'm sure um, as Marquez brings more people in, he's going to want to expand what they're doing, which That's would what I probably can, I, include travel. So, yeah, well, yeah, we'll, we'll be traveling. And it's not like I'm going to stop and traveling. But. I, you know, just like the sky's the limit with him. Like I could see him doing another interview with Elon Musk and like, you're going to be able to hang out with Elon Musk before you know it. So like, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. It's, it's such a cool opportunity. And I had some really big, you know, people I looked up to give me some advice when I got offered the job for Indie Mogul and, what they said too is kind of like associating yourself with a brand like that is going to just really help your career moving forward. And even if this is a temporary thing for you, like being able to just be around him and see how he works and be collaborating with other great collaborators. And you're going to meet so many people that you may not be able to meet because you're associated with him. So yeah. I mean, also just like all the people on their team are just so talented. Exactly. That, like, that's my awesome. main, that's my main excitement. It's just like working with other people. Like I've made videos with Brandon and it's, it's so fun, you know, yeah. it's so much better. It's hard being a solo YouTuber. It like, is. I feel like that's mm-hmm. the thing that people don't talk about enough is how like lonely <laughs> it can get. Um, it is lonely. It's been nice, like living with Michael, actually, because we're both making. Casey's videos. laughing because he's like, I, I'm <laughs> laughing in the darkness, but in I'm actually crying <laughs> slightly. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, even even that, like, just in my great, spaceship. <laughs> living with Michael, so we can like help each other out with videos, but yeah, um, it's still mm-hmm. like a lonely job. And uh, one of my, I love working from home, but I think I love working with people that I like appreciate and look up to more than that. So it's a, it's a, it's a worthwhile trade-off, but I keep joking to people that within a couple of years, when we're expanding more, I'm going to ask Marquez if I can open like a West coast branch in Washington and um, <laughs> do that, awesome. cover Amazon and, and Microsoft that way. So. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I, I was just talking to a friend this morning about how I've, I think I realized that I enjoy the people in the industry in this YouTube world more than the stuff I'm actually talking about. So the fact, yeah. the only reason I, percent. the only reason I'm making <laughs> reviews about stuff is so I can hang out with all you guys. <laughs> yeah, well, like events, events have always been my favorite part of the job and that's because of the people you meet, you know, I've got so many friends that I would not have met at all if I didn't do this kind of thing. I know it's it's yeah, a same. it's a, collab, a collaboration of like-minded people that are crazy enough to put ourselves out there on the internet and talk about nerdy stuff that our family and friends have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think uh, I don't think my parents know what I do still. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think my wife like just got so tired of me just talking about camera gear all the time, and once I started having an outlet to just kind of talk about cameras it really actually helped my relationship (laughs) (laughs) there's some relationship advice for all you guys out there start a youtube channel start a youtube channel to talk about your vices (laughs) exactly yeah well thank you guys so much for being on we'll have to do this again this was really fun having both of you on i I feel like we could talk for hours about all this stuff and uh you know it's hard to balance both of you because you're both unique and different in your own way and i want to talk about your things and I don't know, maybe we could do an individual thing too. In that's, the future. What, that's what yeah. I'm saying, man. I was saying Casey deserves his own episode. Well, well it's fun. This is my first do. time ever doing a podcast. So this was, this was fun. Never done one before. So, well, I just took your, uh, I popped your cherry, your podcast <laughs> yep. cherry. Uh, I'm going to have to cut that out. Um, <laughs> no, I think it's demonetized. It's, it's fun. It <laughs> but yeah, thanks for being on guys. This was a blast. And uh, thanks for the invite. Yeah, thank you. Dave. Hopefully I'll see you in person, you know, probably next year, but eventually it'll happen at some so. point. We'll figure for it out. Sure. <laughs> All right. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with GX Ace and David Amell. If you haven't already, I would encourage you to follow each on their social media accounts, which I have listed in the show notes below. And please go over to the YouTube channel that we've just created and subscribe to the podcast channel at youtube.com slash ghpod. Once again, I'm your host, Dave Mays. This is the Golden Hour Podcast, and I'll see you next Tuesday. Bye.